Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Morning, church. Um, Lovely to be with you this morning. Um, It's... uh, Beautiful to be in the presence of God, and uh, let me commend you, worship team, for pressing in. I know that it doesn't just come out of you know one or two practices; it comes out of prayer and dedication to what God has called you to in this area of music. And you know, when the Lord is lifted up, He said, "I will draw all men unto Myself." And I, I just sense a drawing of the Lord uh, this morning. And thank you for making that a, that appeal. I thought it was very appropriate for those that are going through things, and often the enemy works that way. So I just really want to share a little bit of um, what I felt prophetically at that time when we were praying for people. You know, as I prepared this week, I felt the Lord speak to me about uh, a consuming fire. Uh, I've had, you know, at times I've sensed this uh, with God, but this week it came upon me very strongly as I was praying, and I was in a time of... um, just seeking the Lord in my study and suddenly the presence of the Lord was there and he you know the Lord just started saying to me um, that I'm a consuming fire a burning holy flame with to bring glory and freedom into my house a God who's righteous to judge he said I'm ruling with kindness and I'm ruling with wisdom and he says keep your eyes on me the Lord's saying, keep your eyes. I'm a mighty fortress. He said, I'm your God. A sacred refuge is my name. He said, my kingdom is unshakable. He said, I will reign forever. I am the God. I'm a jealous God. I'm jealous over you. I'm jealous over what I'm going to do with you. He said, comprehend my love and my mercy. I'm a God exalted on the throne. I'm above the heavens. Forever I am worthy to be praised. And then he said, keep your eyes on me. And I, you know, I just really felt that, uh, that word about a mighty fortress. That's, I want to encourage you, some of you that are going through challenges, that the Lord is inviting you to come to that place. He said, I am a mighty fortress, a sacred refuge for you. So come to me, he said, and I'm that, you know, mighty tower that will strengthen you. And as you come to me, he said, I will reign in your life forever and ever. So I understood something about God revealing his heart to me. And he spoke to me in Isaiah 66 verse 2. And he said, for all things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But to this one I look. He's looking. God is looking, folks, on him who is poor and contrite spirit of spirit, who trembles at my word. You see, I'm I'm coming to that understanding that at times we take the presence of God too lightly. And God's saying, I'm almighty God, and the time to embrace me is a now time. And that we need to come and walk into the house of God with reverence and with awe, as to the presence of who God is to us. 
So we don't just take the presence of God lightly anymore. We take it that, you know, God is in the house. You see, I believe the time has come, whereas in the past we got away with entering the house with willful sin on our hearts, and we didn't have the fear of the Lord in our lives. Let me say to you, those seasons are changing. When we come through those doors and we come into the presence of God, we're going to shake and we're going to tremble because of the holiness of the sacred presence of God is going to be around us and about us. So I want to just you know, encourage you with that to say this, this isn't supposed to be a scary message, <laughs> but I, I want to say to you, don't ignore the presence of God and the holiness of God because he's saying to his church, I'm going to bring a sacred presence when you worship me and you come into my presence. Prepare your heart. Prepare your life. Amen. Amen. This is a different season, folks. 1 Peter 1.7 says this, that the genuineness of your faith being made more precious than gold that perishes. Through it, it is tested by fire. Come on. There's a testing taking place, folks. Come on, I see it around the nation. May be found to praise, honor, and glory of the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, when God is revealed in Christ... Uh, the testing of the fire comes and says, those things you got away with in the past, you're not going to get away with anymore. There we are. The purity of one's faith, the gold. You see, often when I prophesy, the Lord says to me, don't speak to the dust and the dirt, speak to the gold. Because they don't know what the gold's about. R cause a rising of the gold on the inside. And then people walk knowing that the test, the proving of genuineness of Christ in us is revealed. Amen. Because yes. God wants to reveal who we are in him. Not who we are not, but who we are to be. Amen. There's a present future thing in God that he's revealing right now. 1 Peter 1.17 says this, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Come on, this is uh, New King James. So we need to conduct ourselves in the fear of the Lord, the reverent fear of God. And I believe the fear of the Lord's coming back into the house of the Lord. Let me say that to you. We've known his love and his love is there for us. But sometimes we take his love for granted and we just ignore the things that, you know, God doesn't want us to do things that don't please him. Amen. So he wants to work on us, the reverent fear, the watchfulness uh, of temptation that comes against us. Look, the enemy is doing his best to derail the people of God. He's bringing all sorts of opportunities of, you know, into our sphere of influence. But today, God is raising up a different spirited people that will walk a unique way with him. That's us, the body of Christ. You just got to look and see what is so different about life today. That we, we've never had a, such a, a flow, a, a, an outward flow of, of immorality come against us to where we are living today. But God is saying, no, no, I'm raising up a people that are going to live in the midst of that, that are going to be fiery for me. They're going to be men and women that have fire in their hearts. Look, I can't you know, bring this message to every church. 
I'm bringing it to you this morning because I really believe what is on your hearts and what's in this church is the fire and the reverence of God. Because it comes, it flows down from your leaders into your hearts. And it's not just a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. Let me say to you, it's something that God is doing on the inside of us. The reverent fear of Almighty God. You see, it says this in uh, Proverbs 16.6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You see, there's a willingness to do this. See, and I, I want to share with you a, a, a testimony of encountering the fire of God. And let me say to you, this, this encounter didn't happen yesterday. It happened almost two years ago. But ever since then, the work of the Lord has continued in my life where I encountered the fire of God. And you know, this, this week when I was preparing, suddenly the Lord reminded me of that encounter and what he's been doing in me. So what I'm sharing you with you this morning comes out of an encounter with a walk with God that shook me to the very core of where I am today. You see, I was sort of half asleep, half awake. Linda thinks like I'm like that most of the time. <laughs> and, and I was sort of in that place in the early morning and suddenly I smelt smoke. You see, smoke is, is the result of something burning. Let me say this to you. Something's burning. And it can speak about, you know, the divine, uh, you know, figuratively, it can speak about God's jealousy, God's anger, and God's holiness. And I'm smelling a fire burning um, because one of the things that I have is a strong sense of smell uh, as a spiritual sense. I smell things sometimes long before I really see what God is doing. I smell the presence of God or the presence of the enemy. And for some reason, God has highlighted that spiritual sense in me that sometimes I know the enemy's tactic by smell. And some of you might be gifted that way. But uh, for me, here I'm smelling the smoke and the increase of the heat gets stronger and stronger around me. And I wake up and I'm convinced that I'm in a fire. So much so that I get up and I run and look at Linda's to see if there was, you know, a fire next to me. My computer wasn't burning. The alarm clock wasn't burning. I jump out of bed, run around and see if the same thing's happening with Linda. Nothing's happening. So I run into the kitchen to have a look to see if the stove is on or the oven is burning. Nothing's burning. I look at the TV. That's not burning. Maybe it should have been. <laughs> so I go back to the bedroom. And when I get there, Linda says, you have been dreaming. I said, this is more than a dream. This is an encounter with God. And as I sit back on my bed, the Lord says to me out of, out of Hebrews 12, 29, I am a consuming fire. And I realized that something was being consumed in me that I could not put my hand on, but, you know, immediately that this, this was God. You know, showing me that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. But the fire of God has been ignited inside of me. And, you know, it, it reflects back in the scripture in Deuteronomy 4, 23 and 24, where God says this, you know, he opens up the scripture. He says, take heed to yourself, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God. That just shook me. He said, take heed to yourself. Least you forget what I've done for you to where you are today. He said, because I don't want any idols in your life. No idols. 
but I am a consuming fire and I'm a jealous God. God said to me, I'm jealous over what you put your time to. And I said, oh, you know, I was giving as much time as I had, but God wanted more of my time in him, my, my, my relationship with him, you know, to, to be in that place of, of you know, just uh, the, the beauty of God and encountering the, the, the love and the kindness of God. He was, you know, touching my heart with that. Because it speaks about, you know, that um, burning in, in Isaiah 4, verse 4 and 5. When the Lord washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. Isn't that interesting? First time I'd seen that. Spirit of burning was taking place. And yeah, I'm trying to understand what God's doing. And, and you know, what it reminded me of was, you know, when Isaiah comes into that place in, in chapter 6, and it says, In the year King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. It says his train filled the temple. It's interesting, very interesting scripture. He said, you know, and he, he goes on in the scripture and he speaks, you know, about what was, what, what was happening on that day. You see, sometimes something's got to die in us before we see the Lord high and lifted up. Something of the flesh, of the self, has to die. It says, you know, he was seated on the throne, high and lifted up. And his train of his robe filled the temple. You see, the presence of God filled the temple, folks. And that's what we've got to see. The, these robe filled the temple. It speaks about an open heaven. And I, I'm believing for open heaven over New Zealand as we pray and we seek the Lord. It says, above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. One covered their face. The other covered the feet covered and the other two flew it speaks about face speaks about reverence and respect it speaks about feet it speaks about that humility wherever we go there should be a humble heart where that fly it means at times God moves and yet often we don't see the move of God the movement of God is what God is making us sensitive to that's why often we're hearing about the wind of the spirit coming into the church the prophetic wind blew over people this morning that awakened in them the fear of man and the fear of making a mistake, the fear of, of missing on what God had. You see, that's the spirit of the Lord. And yet God wants to make us sensitive to how he's moving. That means when the presence of God is at work, there is something that is awakened in us. And I believe God is making the church very much more um, sensitive to what he's doing and saying at this hour. That means your life and my life has been awakened to a deeper understanding of the purpose and the mysteries and the power and the love of God for us. Amen. He's doing that. And, and, and I believe the voice of God is becoming clearer for each one of us as we fellowship with the Lord. Because God wants his church to hear his voice and understand his purpose because we've been awakened. Amen. We've been awakened. 
It goes on in verse 3 and it says, And one cried and said, Holy, we heard that this morning, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. It speaks about God coming into the house. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. The house was filled with smoke. There it is. The house was filled with smoke. I experienced the smoke, folks. When the smoke's around, there's some burning taking place. And he says, woe. Straight away when the smoke goes, it says, woe is me for I am undone. You see, we get undone by the presence of God. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King. The Lord of hosts. You see, God wants us to see him, folks. He wants to touch our lips. He wants to release our lips to speak the word of the Lord in, in holy reverence and in power. You see, I believe the power of God is going to be released in the church because God has touched our lips. This morning, I, I really felt this. Let's just do a prophetic act this morning. I'd like you to take your finger and just put it on your lips. Just put your finger on your lips. Because let me say to you, these lips are going to speak the sacred word of the Lord. They're going to speak the word of the Lord in season and out of season. They're going to speak the power of God. They're going to release things that have never been released before. They're going to walk. You're going to walk in places where you've got to declare the word of the Lord. And you're going to be a people that are going to be mighty in God. Why? Because you've seen the King high and lifted up, the Almighty. So, Father, I thank you for these lips. Today, you sanctify our lips, that they will be lips that will speak the holiness of God, the reverent fear of Almighty God to come out of our hearts, to bring power, to bring, Lord, your purpose, to release people from darkness to light, to speak the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These will be sanctified lips from this time on, that the words that come out of our mouths will build, will establish, will restore. They will be prophetic words. Words. There will be words unctioned by the Spirit of God to bring life, to bring healing, and to bring restoration. We thank you this morning, Lord, that you're touching our lips to be a people after your own heart. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And it says, it goes on, and it says in, in verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew over, and he with that live coal, he touched my lips. So I want to just say to you, where the heat is, the coals of the fire of God are coming to touch our mouths as we've touched them today. Behold, this has touched your lips. You see, it speaks about when the Lord touches our lips, there's a certain grace that is released upon us. And I'm not talking about saving grace. I'm speaking about the grace that comes out of the gifting of God. Every church is graced with a sense of the grace of God upon us. I'm not talking, you know, at times we release the grace that brings salvation, but there's a prophetic grace that God is releasing upon his church. And I believe particularly faith, faith point carry a grace of a prophetic gift and an apostolic calling to nations and to the nation of New Zealand. So you're receiving a grace, you know, every time... Pastor James stands up and he starts prophesying and declaring something of the grace. The, the grace of God is released in you, the gift that God has given. You see, the word for gift is charismata. 
And it's made up of two other words, charis and char. Charis means grace and char means joy. So the joy of the Lord is released in you by the grace that comes upon you through the power of God, through the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit is magnified through you and the manifestation of the Spirit starts working in the house. That's, you know, what God is releasing in us. And I believe there's something very special about what God is doing in this house because it flows down. You know, you've got to understand that principle. When grace comes upon leaders, they release what God has put on them in a way that releases you into a place of fulfillment in your calling. That's what happened this morning. Amen. And then it goes on in verse 8. It says, and I heard a voice. Of the Lord. You see, God wants us to hear a voice. Whom shall I send? <laughs> and who will go for us? Come on. You see, there's the invitation. You know, who will go for us? Who can I send? And we put our hands up and we say, Lord, send me. I will go. And that's as, you know, that was the answer. He said, Then I said, Here I am. Send me, Lord. Isn't that beautiful? So let me encourage you, God is calling us because he's put grace on us by the power of the Spirit. We have seen the King, the Lord, high and lifted up in our lives. Amen. Something changes, something moves, something shifts. And the awe and the presence of God comes into our lives. You see, the fire of God that is used is to process, it's the process of God working on on man, on to bring us into the perfection of man, uh, the perfect man. Hebrews uh, three fourteen, uh, not Hebrews, Ephesians three fourteen speaks about that. Until we come into the unity of the faith, Ephesians four thirteen. It's a very powerful scripture. It follows right on from God calls the fivefold ministry. Then he gives them an instruction, equip the saints for the works of the ministry. And then he goes on and he says, until we come into the unity of the faith, which is what God is doing with the churches and church leadership in the nation of New Zealand, he's bringing us together. Leaders are called together in the nation to pray for their church, their city and the nation. As we travel around, city by city prayer initiatives. I've been to Wanganui, I've been to Tauranga, I've been to um, uh, Hastings and Napier. And, you know, there's, there's an ongoing coming together of leaders in the city and their initiative um, and the mandate from God is pray for your church, pray for your city, that God's purposes will be released. You know, that's not just a, a good thing to do. Let me say to you, that's a God thing. That is God moving on the hearts of man. Because we've been too segregated. I'm a Baptist, you're a Methodist, you're a something else and something else and you know, charismaniacs and we call ourselves all these names and yet we don't come together and support the body of Christ. Amen. We are not, we are one body. He's the head, we the body. We keep getting that wrong. He is the head. You see, the centrality of Christ has been released upon us we are recognizing that we are one people yeah. in God 
under the headship of God. So God is saying to us, um, and to the full knowledge of the Son of God, you see, as soon as he, Jesus, is, and we come into the full knowledge of who he really is to us, corporately and individually, suddenly we know that we are moving closer to become the perfect man. That's what that scripture talks about, to a perfect man, to the measure of, you see, how do we measure ourselves? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When we get there, then we'll know we've arrived. But let me say to you, let me suggest to you anyway, that the process is ongoing. We are a working process. But thank goodness we, we're getting closer to where God is moving us. Amen. We are becoming a full, a, you know, a, a more perfect man. It doesn't say perfect woman, it says perfect man. The reason it says that is I, I, you know, I don't know if I've got this right, but you know, maybe the women are perfect already and the men are trying to catch up. Oh, the ladies agree with that. Oh, really. The ladies, don't get too excited. We'll give you a job to do. See, God, God uses circumstances to purify and shape us. We don't like that. God uses your circumstances to purify and shape us. 1 Peter 4.12 Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. <laughs> Sometimes there are strange things that happen to us. But let me say to you, it's the fiery trial. The fiery trials of the Lord. God's gymnasium to build us up, a people, is to take us through trials. Linda and I have seen some stuff go down this year, and we think, my goodness me, the trials that are coming in the church, sometimes you want to run away from it. Amen. Well, I do. <laughs> you think it's crazy, you know? 1 Corinthians 3, 15 to 17 says this, If anyone worker's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so... As through fire. Verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? We've got to know that, folks. We are the temple of God. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Isn't that amazing? We don't talk about these things because. You know, we think, oh, you know, we'll leave that for another day. But it speaks about the fiery image. It speaks about a narrow escape from a burning building, from a burning house. That's what that speaks about. We had a narrow escape. But the fire cleanses and refines us and brings us into the purposes of God. The fire purges the dross in us and the Holy Spirit refines us and removes the desire from our hearts for any form of sin or, or separation from God. A sensing and a stirring that's taking place deep within our hearts. That's what's going on. God is working on the hearts. There's a breaking out of the fire of God. Let me say to you, the next move of God, we're going to see some fire. Amen. Affliction of the present and judgment of the future. How can we face the judicial and punitive action of divine providence of a holy God? How can we do that? Let me say to you, it's only by pressing into God. The corrective action of now and the future. God wants to do some things in us. The love and the fear of God works together. There's almost a paradox. We fear God, but yet we love God. 
But God loves us more than we love him. But God works in that area that we don't become familiar with God because we're living in a kairos time, an opportune time in God where he wants to do some things in the body of Christ. Ignite us for a greater cause than ourselves. You see, we've got to know when we come and we serve the Lord in the church and the missions and the things that he calls us to, the cause that's upon us is much greater than ourselves. It's a cause for the nations of the world to come into God. And we part of that. What a beautiful privilege that God has called us. You know, one thing that I, I noticed the other day when I was reading scripture well, this week, um, I came across this uh, in Luke 3, 16 and 17. But particularly when John the Baptist said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I had to work through this thing and say, Lord, what are you talking about here? What are you talking to me about? And I really believe that, you know, we know that spiritual rebirth takes place in our lives when you receive the Lord. But then there's water baptism, then there's baptism in the Holy Spirit, and then there's a baptism of fire that comes. Those, those sort of four, we, we go through those different aspects. And, and I'm, you know, just going to, you know, reiterate some of those, we know that unless a man is born again, you know, he shall not see the kingdom. You know, there's something about seeing who Jesus is in the kingdom of God, and God awakens our eyes to see him. And then we say, Lord, thank you. Come into my life. You know, restore me that I will be a new man, not an old man, a new man. I'm born again. So my age only starts from when I was born again. So I worked it out. I'll live to be 120 because I, you know, not, not 70 or 80. Amen. God wants us to live a, a ripe old age. Amen. So I, I, I really believe that God's, you know, letting us understand that spiritual rebirth is a very powerful thing that happens to us when we are born of the Spirit. You are totally a new person in Christ. But yet we keep digging up the old man and forgetting that we are a new man, a new woman in Christ. And he wants us to know that. But, you know, simply, you know, water baptism is an outward, your outward behavior is cleansed through water by repenting from sin and, you know, following the Lord Jesus. And, and so I want to just say it's an identification. If you haven't done this, it's an identification with Christ, an outward behavior is cleansed and through baptism it's a public identification of Christ Jesus in our lives and that's you know I say to you if you haven't been down in the water get baptized it'll change your life when I go to Africa and India and people are baptized in water the rest of their family <laughs> recognize that they are different they keep them at length but boy they can say I'm born again no that's okay brother you with us but when you get baptized in water whoa hey, this is a different, you know, you are a different person. So it's very important that you identify with Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It's a very powerful thing that we do. Romans 6, 3 and 4 speaks about that. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. And, and in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live 
a new life. That's how powerful it is. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm still surprised so many Pentecostal charismatic churches that men and women are not baptized in the fullness of Christ. You know, I want to say to you, baptism in the Spirit is about our minds being cleansed and the Spirit of truth being revealed in us. When that happens, you know the truth and the truth has set you free. It's about truth of a of a deeper kind that comes and the spirit of truth is revealed in us and we know the truth when we hear it because suddenly the gifts of God are awakened in us the fruit of the spirit has become more relevant to us and we walk according to the fruit amen because we are baptized in the Holy Spirit John 6 John uh, 16, 13 speaks about that. I won't spend too much time there because I want to say something else to you uh, about this. So the deepest spiritual understanding of divine truth uh, in the mind and the spirit is released in us and we are able to de- de- discern between deception and error when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Very powerful way to walk. You don't have to rush off to this. Your thinking gets reformed and your belief system lines up with God's word because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why Romans 12 says, Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me say to you, the renewing of our mind, Romans 12, 2, speaks about that, the metamorphosis that's taking place in the body of Christ. Metamorphosis. Come on. It means the butter, the, the cocoon, the, that... Um, Caterpillar is now becoming a butterfly. That's the extent of the change. You were like a worm, now you're like a butterfly. What a wonderful thought. You're going to soar again. Baptism with fire. You know, um, I, I've I pondered this for a long time, and I, the more I looked at Scripture, the more I thought there's a message here, the baptism of fire, that we sometimes don't see or we don't understand. And I believe that in ancient times, in all cultures, fire, with its warmth and its power, was a symbol of love. I want you to hear this. When you look at Scripture, it speaks about the love of God. You know the ancient uh, Song of Songs that we we sometimes speak and read? Um, Song of Psalms 8 verse 6 says, Set me a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. It flashes as flashes of fire, a raging fire. You see, when Solomon dedicated the temple, and they, in, in 2 Chronicles 7.3, it speaks about that, when the children of Israel saw the fire come down, the glory of God came into the temple. You know what they said? His steadfast love endures forever when they saw the fire they knew that that fire was the love of God being demonstrated for them as a people when Christ baptizes with fire the divine love of God is released in us and I think you know sometimes we don't understand that love you see water baptism is about an outward behavior the Holy Spirit is about a mind, your mind being cleansed with truth. But the fire of God comes into our heart. It cleanses us. And the fire of God's love is released in our lives. Let me say to you, there's a lack of love in the church. We can, that's why Jesus gave us a new commandment. Love one another. The most important commandment that God gave us. 
your, your ministry is enshrined on that. Love God and love people. But he doesn't just say love God. He says love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all that you will be, all that you can be. The love of God is released out of us. You see, the one day I was, I was in my office having a prayer time, and suddenly I was in the spirit. And I saw the face of the Lord, but I wasn't looking at his face directly. I was looking at the side of his face. And the Lord said to me, I am the ancient of days. Suddenly, I realized I was in the midst of the Lord. And I got onto my knees because I could sense the presence of God. And then as I was in this vision, I felt the Lord turn to look at me. And as he looked at me, I became transparent. He looked right through me as though I had nothing. There was nothing I could hide from him. He was looking through me. And he said this one thing to me. He said, son, I love you. I thought I'd kind of got this thing sorted out with God. But I, I just melted. I, I just didn't know what. I just wept and wept and wept. And the presence of God got hold of my heart. You see, and it stayed with me so long that when I went to try and minister, every time I saw people to minister, they might start weeping. Linda said to me, you've lost it. I said, I have. I've lost it. I couldn't keep it together. Because the love of God had got hold of me. God was telling me something. He was showing me that there's a capacity in love the, the baptism of the fire of God that he wants to release on the body of Christ. That when you see the hurting, when you see the need, you're going to be moved by the compassion and the love of God. Something's going to happen to you. It cleanses the heart. It touches the heart with the love of God. In other words, your eyes see what he sees. And that's a hard thing because, you know, we, we, whatever we do, we still... You know, struggle at times to see things the way God sees them. To even see a people the way God sees them. Amen. Our, you know, our love gets our desires, our motives get tested in the fire. You see, at times we speak one thing, but our motives another thing. God's getting those things to line up. Intense process of the purification of the Lord. The trial by fire has come upon us, folks. Unquenchable fire. See, I, I want to just... I, I noticed um, that God was speaking to me uh, with an encounter that um, he, he had with the, the disciples <laughs> when they were going down, they were going to Samaria, and when they got to Samaria, they wouldn't receive them. They chased them away. And, and James and not this James, uh, James and John <laughs> said to the Lord, should we call fire down upon the Samaritans? That was their first reaction because they had rejected Jesus, rejected the gospel. Jesus said, no, 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 I haven't come to bring destruction. I've come to bring hope. I've come to bring salvation. God's heart for those people was totally different to where the disciples saw that opportunity. They saw an opportunity for God's wrath to come down and judgment to come. That's how we look at it at times. God, bring judgment. Those guys, you know, they, they, they look what they're doing. We, because we don't understand the heart that God has for people. And God's, you know, showing us that heart. And I'll, I'll just share that with you. Um, you know, it says in, in Luke 9, 54... 
Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? That's what, that was the authority that they had. You see, but Jesus says to the disciples, you don't know what your hearts are like. For the Son of Man has come to destroy, as the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. You see, we've got to see that self, the saving heart of our Father that he wants us to have. What can we do to help you come to know Jesus without looking at the problems, to look at the deeper meaning that God has for us, to understand the heart that he has, not to bring punishment, but to release the love that he has for people. That's the heart that God wants us to see. Not to call fire down. Amen. We, we want to do that. That's our, our, you know, sometimes the way we react. You see, I believe that there's many prophetic voices out there that are speaking about how God has marked the time of the fire of God that's going to sweep across the face of the earth, that's going to burn up things of the enemy. You see, the fire that we call down should come against the enemy, not against people. When Elijah was at that place where they were sacrificing, you know, uh, the, the, he was having a confrontation with the prophets of Baal and, and the, the fire to come down and consume that sacrifice. What he was proving was he called the fire down so that God could be seen as a merciful God. He didn't call the fire down upon them. He called down the fire of God to consume those things that, those idols, those things that God doesn't like. So, you know, the fire of God is meant for the enemy. And when I, you know, sometimes come against, you know, uh, in the past in Africa, witches and warlocks, I say, Lord, you spare them but you send your deliverance. So the man is spared, but the enemy is kicked out of their lives. That's got to be our heart, hey, for you know, coming against the enemy. Because God wants to bring a, a sense of, you know, of reverent awe and love into people's life. His goodness and his kindness to be revealed. God is showing us that more and more, that salvation will come into the house of God. You see, if the, if the world can come in to the presence of God, what will they do? They will fall on their face and they will say, God is in this place and I didn't even know it. That's what Jacob encountered. God was in that place. You see, so I want to just encourage you this morning. I don't want to talk for too long this morning, but I, I do want to just add this to you that, you know, even when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were in that place of exposure where the king came against, you know, them as, as men because they were good men. And they were in that place where the king said, when the harp and the lute and the music plays, you will bow down to that idol. You see, the world wants us to bow down to the idols of the world. The time is coming when they're going to force us, in many respects, to bow down to the ungodliness of the world powers. But the time comes where the church, that's why the church has been strengthened by fire. 
so that when we, when the temptation and the instruction comes, we can stand like those men. Even if our God does not deliver us, we will not bow down. We cannot bow down. You see, we are being forced in many respects through social media to bow down to stuff that is not that doesn't belong to us, doesn't belong to the church. We've got to be, we've got to use those things to the glory of God, but not bow down to the, you know, the stuff that is coming against our families, against our children, our grandchildren. It's awful stuff. So Lord help us to be strong. So when we go into the fire, as those three men went, there was a fourth man in the fire. Let me say to you, you've got to see the fourth man. You've got to see him. When you know that he's with you in the fire, you will not be burnt. You will come out the other side, strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Healed, restored, and free from the bondage of the world. Amen. Those ropes that tied those hands, they were burnt. The only thing that was burnt on them, they didn't smell like smoke. They didn't smell like they'd been in a fire. They came out and those ropes were burned. The bondages of the world, the presence, the fourth man is burning up in our lives. Amen. So that we walk free of anything. And then the king made a decree. He said, when the loop and the heart pray now, now you bow down to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Those are going to be the times that the world's going to see the rising of the Lord over the nations of the world and say, we're going to bow down now. We've been bowing down to the wrong thing. Amen. The word of the Lord's giving us a picture of where we're going. Amen. So welcome the fire of God. Welcome it to do the work inside of us so that we can be ignited for God into the future, a good future that he's called us to. Amen. The stronghold of the enemy has been burnt up in our lives. We're going to set free those that have been in addictions, those that have been in places of hopelessness. God's called the church to set them free and give them hope. Amen. I believe right where you are, the fields are white unto harvest. If ever I see a word that Jesus spoke to the disciples in John 4, 37, I think it was, where he said to them, it's not four months to the harvest, but he said, behold and see, the fields are white unto harvest. You see, we have to see something about the fields. Until we see it, we don't get it. That's this thing about Christ working in us, that we see it from his perspective and then we change our strategy because we see it the way the Lord sees it. Amen. I better not talk anymore, so be here for lunch and that's no good. So bless you. But I do believe today that God is speaking to some of you that he wants to speak to the fire, to release the fire of God in your hearts so that you become ignited for a cause greater than yourself in what he's called you to. I saw the Lord high and lifted up and woe is me because I'm undone. As soon as we become undone in the Lord, something shifts in our lives. Lord, send me. I want to go. Amen. (laughs) 